I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. If you shop on Amazon.com, the shopping you do can help support Boxing for Free. Go to our website, BoxingForFree.com, and click on the Amazon banner on the right side of the website. Use it whenever you shop on Amazon.com, because Amazon will send us a kickback for anything you buy. And speaking of buy, uh, Timothy Bradley bought himself some revitalization for his career and ended Brandon Rios's. Uh, wow. I knew that Bradley was going to win. I was very curious to see how he would react having Teddy Atlas in his corner. But uh, this is the best Tim Bradley's looked in a long time. I, I, I First of all, the, the, the fact that he scored a knockout of Brandon Rios... That that was kind of stunning. It's like, wow, the last time, uh, the last time Bradley scored a knockout, I think, was in late 2011 or early 2012, and that was against an old Joel uh, Joel Casamayor. But he he knocked out Brandon Rios, and it was it was with a body shot, no less. Um, for, well, first of all, let, let's talk about Brandon Rios. Guy looked. Uh, flat, flaccid, I'm in terms of body image, not anywhere else, but <laughs> you, you could kind of tell that uh, that this fight was lost in the gym for Rios as soon as he started camp. I, I'm still kind of just blown away by how good Bradley looked, and uh, this is, this is something that Justin and I were discussing earlier. We were saying, well, did he look good just because of his new training regimen with Teddy Atlas, or was it just because Brandon Rios has been a spent force since the uh, Alvarado and the Pacquiao fight? Who knows? I was saying to Justin, you know, maybe, okay, Rios isn't what he used to be, but at the same time, he did what he should have done against somebody in Brandon Rios's condition. And Rios, to his credit, um, he's decided, well, I'm going to retire. Uh, see, with Rios, he, he, ha- he could have had the potential to be so much more than what he was. But he, he kept constantly missing weight. He, he, uh, apparently, he had... A, bad eating habits when he wasn't uh when he wasn't fighting that he would just kind of balloon up and wait and then have to lose all that weight again it's like i said years ago brandon rios is the successor to fernando vargas he's going to be that name that people recognize he is going to be known as a hard hitter he's going to be known for big action fights but at the same time he's not going to have a long career and yeah at the age of uh, 28, 29, his career is over. It's a smart move. It's better that he does it this way instead of maybe another three or four years from now and you can barely understand what he's saying. I've said for years that I worry about his health because you can hear a little bit of slurring. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the one who needs to be checked out by a professional, but... um, no, good for Bradley, or sorry, good for Rios if he uh, sticks to his word and decides to retire. He's got a family, he's got his own health to worry about, so 
if he sticks to it, you know, Robert, Robert Garcia, his trainer, has said, well, this is the right decision for him, and he supports him 100%. I'm just kind of wondering why... Why was uh, Rios coming in the way he did? I mean, him and Garcia are apparently very close, so why couldn't Robert just say to uh, Brandon, you know, you've got to start doing this better. You've got to be working out in between fights. I mean, you don't have to be doing like a training camp, but, you know, for the love of God, do some exercising, do some running around the block at least. It just doesn't make any sense, especially from a uh, trainer who's as intelligent as Robert Garcia. I'm not going to downplay his intelligence in the sport, but it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, then there's Teddy Atlas, and Teddy is Teddy. When you, when you look at the, uh, the Michael Moore fight with Holyfield and how he is chewing out... Um, more he's just tearing him a new one in between each round you, you almost get the feeling like he's maybe being a bit over dramatic it's like is this oh i can understand with the uh with a more situation because moore's a, was a undefeated former light heavyweight champion and moving up to the uh fight holyfield the biggest fight of their lives and he feels that he's blowing it obviously there's going to be some urgency but i always felt like teddy was trying to make himself bigger than the fighter at that moment. Again, maybe that's just me. But uh, in between rounds, Timothy Bradley, if you watch Bradley, Bradley is responding perfectly. Like, this is stuff that he wants to hear. And uh, with Moore, Moore would always kind of just look away. He would, and, you know, just spit in the bucket. And no, Bradley seemed to be almost feeding off of Teddy's energy. In fact, I've got the sound clip of what has become the uh, the latest boxing meme in the world, and that is Teddy Atlas's "We Are Firemen" speech. Uh, this was between round seven and eight. Fifteen minutes. Can you be strong for fifteen minutes? Can you? Listen, your concentration's weaving a little bit. Pick it up. Pick it up. Okay. Don't pull straight out. Bend your knees and be strong on the inside. And go around them. Let's control the outside. Look, the fire's coming. Are you ready for the fire? We're firemen. Okay. We are firemen! You got it, coach. The heat doesn't bother us. We live in the heat. We train in the heat. Yeah, let's go. It tells us that we're ready. We're at home. We're where we're supposed to be. Flames don't intimidate us. What do we do? We control the flame. We control them. We move the flame where we want to. Let's go. And then we extinguish them. First of all, I'm, I'm not a fireman, but I don't think that it works that way. They, they just put the flames out. They don't control them. Well, to a degree they do, but, you know, you're kind of making it sound like, you know, move the fire over there. Good, we've got it trapped. Turn the hose on. It, it doesn't work quite like that. Maybe it does. I'm not a fireman, but based on what I've seen, that's not how it works. It's just kind of like grab your hose, unleash it, and then you're like, well, fire's out. Let's go remind people that we're heroes, even though this was just a little garage fire. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to any firemen out there. So what's next for Timothy Bradley? Nothing's next for Brandon Rios because he has retired. What's next for Timothy Bradley? You know, I thought that after the Mayweather-Berto fight, we wouldn't have to hear any more about Floyd Mayweather. But no, Teddy Atlas is saying that they want to fight Floyd Mayweather. 
Teddy, he retired. He had a terrible, awful, dreary, dull, boring fight with Andre Berto, and it sucked. We don't want to see him anymore, ever again. I certainly don't. He said he's retired. They've got him removed from all the rankings. So, shut up about Floyd Mayweather. I mean, come on, you should be smarter than this. I know that you're not a matchmaker. We are firemen! Yes, yes, you're a fireman. But, shouldn't you be a bit smarter than this? I mean... What's the matter with you? Stop calling out Floyd Mayweather. Think about doing maybe a fight with someone like Terrence Crawford. Maybe go for a rubber match with Manny Pacquiao. I mean, come on. Pick it up. Pick it up! Oh, see, I I can't do Teddy Atlas. Only Teddy can do Teddy. Pick it up! Pick it up! Believe it or not, uh, Golden Boy was actually negotiating for a fight between Canelo Alvarez and Brandon Rios. Uh, while this was all going on. I mean, not while the fight was going on. That's a terrible time to do negotiations. But prior to this uh, fight, uh, they were negotiating for a fight between Canelo and Rios. I am so glad that fight did not happen. First of all, Brandon Rios has no business in or around the 154-pound division. Canelo has no business fighting somebody who has no business in or around the 154-pound division. Sorry, he shouldn't have been thinking about fighting Rios at all. That is a gross, disgusting mismatch only to pad out Canelo's record. I mean, and plus, hasn't Golden Boy learned their lesson? They tried this crap when Victor Ortiz was about to fight Josecito Lopez, and then Lopez, or not Lopez, yeah, sorry, Lopez breaks Ortiz's jaw. And then we get an even bigger mismatch between Lopez and uh, freaking Canelo, in which you try to make Canelo look, oh, he's so dominating. Well, of course he's going to look dominating against a guy who's coming up from the 140-pound division into 154. Ah, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting a little worked up. And if you think I'm getting started, just uh, you know, wait until I get talking about Ring Magazine. But. Uh, now, Oscar De La Hoya saying that he's going to see about a Timothy Bradley-Canelo Alvarez fight. Whoa, uh, that, that'd be interesting to say the least. I think that Bradley should kind of stay at 147, personally, that, that's just me. But if he feels that he can go up to 154 pounds and take on Canelo, or it, it would have to be 155, of course, catchweight queens, I mean kings, um, uh, maybe, I mean, be very interesting, it, it's not like Timothy Bradley has an ounce of fat on him, he's got th- these almost, ri- these ridiculous biceps and abs, it's just kind of like, come on, like, that, that's an action figure, but, uh, it, it'll be interesting to say the least, but, uh, Timothy Bradley's got a lot of options ahead of him. I was actually kind of worried he had that draw with Chavez uh, at the end of last year after the loss to Pacquiao, and then he had that uh, minor controversy with Jesse Vargas simply because the referee doesn't know how to do the proper signals and doesn't know what time it is in the round, but this is a big bounce back for him. All the best to Timothy Bradley. 
And with that, let's move on to some other news. Right now, I want to talk about something that's getting a lot of attention, and that is Ring Magazine. Believe it or not, they still print magazines today. In the year 2015, not every publication has gone fully digital. There are still there are still publishing companies that print stories on paper and distribute them to outlets that may not sell all those copies, which may seem like a big loss, but I don't know. That's not my side of the business that I really care about. But uh, Ring Magazine got a lot of attention recently when they announced that in the January 2016 issue, on the cover for the first time would be Ronda Rousey. This is the first time that a female fighter is on the cover of Ring Magazine, and it's gained a lot of controversy. Now, before uh, any feminists out there decide to jump on my ass and call me a barbarian caveman Republican from the year 1952, let me just remind you that I personally don't care if there's a woman on Ring Magazine. I really don't. I think it's overdue. The problem that I have with this, and this is the problem that a lot of other people have with this decision to put Ronda Rousey on the cover, and if anybody from Ring Magazine's editorial board is listening, please pay close attention to this. Ronda Rousey is not a professional boxer! Don't worry, there's nothing wrong with the speakers. I just thought I'd give that, you know, this little dead air so that any any morons out there could take that in and like, oh yeah, she's not a boxer. Yeah. I don't get it. This is like putting... This is like putting Michael Jordan on the cover of Hockey News. It's like, what are you doing here? Was there some sort of technical error? I mean, no. It, it can't just be me thinking this. Of course not. There are lots of people out there who agree with me. I was writing about this on Twitter, and like every two minutes, it's like favorite, retweet, favorite, retweet, favorite, retweet from people who I've never even heard of. It's just like, I'm glad that I'm not the only so-called caveman barbarian Republican out there from 1952. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, this is baffling. We've had female fighters out there in the past who deserve this attention. Layla Ali, Ann Wolf, Holly Holm. Oh, by the way, guess who Holly Holm's fighting in the UFC? Yeah, Ronda Rousey. And there was some nitwit out there who was saying, Oh, you, you can't really blame Ring Magazine for doing this. Ronda Rousey is about to fight one of the best-known female champions out there in Holly Holm, so why not capitalize on it? <laughs> well, that's the problem then, moron. If Ronda Rousey is about to fight one of the best-known women's champions out there, why not put both of them on the cover, you moron? And going back to what I was saying, Layla Ali... Ann Wolf, Holly Holm, Holly Holm made 18 defenses, 18, and she would probably be lucky if she got a whole feature story dedicated to her. I, I had so many good ideas about, you know, you could have put this woman, this woman on the cover, you could have put this woman on the cover, you could have put freaking Jackie Callen, 
Ronda Rousey has done nothing in the sport of boxing except constantly mention Floyd Mayweather's name. And I, I, I'm being dead serious here. When she did that thing at the ESPYs where she said, oh, well, now Floyd knows what it feels like to be beaten by a woman. I thought that is funny. That is funny. That, that, you know, that genuinely made me laugh. Tip of the hat to you, Ronda Rousey. Tip of the hat. But then she keeps bringing him up and bringing him up and saying, oh, well, technically I make more money per minute than you do. Oh, who cares? I know that I'm kind of ranting here and I'm going all over the place with this story, but just hear me out. Imagine back in 2012. Remember the Summer Olympics, how every every boxing writer out there was, oh, there's no men who have won a medal. No men have won a gold medal. No men have won any medals. This is terrible. And I, I was, I just thought, but that, that, that's, that's not the whole U.S. boxing program. I mean, you guys do know that there's women's boxing, right? I was paying attention to women's boxing because my trainer, Mary Spencer, was fighting. I was paying attention to all of the women's boxing. And there was a gold medalist for Team USA in boxing. Her name was Clarissa Shields. Now, I know that Ring Magazine doesn't pay a lot of attention to the amateur programs, but how cool would that have been to have the first American female to win a gold medal in boxing on the front cover in the year 2012? That would have been awesome. But instead, they didn't. I don't I don't know if the uh, editorial board in 2012 was the same as it is today but regardless it was a it was a blown opportunity you could have put so many fighters so many female fighters on the cover you could have put the whole u.s female boxing team i don't care if it was just three people that's three women that would have been on that cover you could have put all the female fighters on the cover that would have been extraordinary but you didn't you didn't you you decided, hey, let's put a UFC fighter on the cover. Which begs the question, why didn't the UFC magazine put Ronda Rousey on the cover? I mean, I'm sure she was, but why aren't they doing that recently? That's because the UFC magazine has gone out of business. They've shut down. I went to the grocery store the other day and I saw the UFC magazine. There's a whole collage of pictures on it and last issue collector's item nobody's really collecting it because nobody really cares about it by the way if anybody ever wants to bring up the whole oh ufc is dominating boxing argument just remind them hey ufc magazine couldn't even last five years ring magazine has been going for over 90 and yeah, Ring Magazine used to cover professional wrestling back in back in the day, 50 or so years ago. But I mean, that was the day of Stu Hart and all the other great wrestlers of yesteryear. You don't pick up a magazine, you don't pick up Ring Magazine now and find out about Seth Rollins or anything else. That's why the WWE has their own magazine. That's why there's Pro Wrestling Illustrated or all those other magazines. We don't pick up 
other magazines to find out what's going on in other sports. I don't pick up hockey news to find out what the hell's going on with Jeremy Lin. I don't read a basketball magazine to find out what Wayne Gretzky's life is like X amount of years out of retirement. Also, because I don't give a damn about either of those sports, I don't care about Wayne Gretzky or what, who was the other guy I mentioned? Jeremy Lin. I don't care about him. Really don't. I care about boxing. And what is she going to have to say if I get into boxing? If I get into boxing? That's all it is. I heard a rumor that Oscar De La Hoya was possibly thinking of promoting her if she got into boxing. Remember that key word, if. So, I don't know. Am I making a big deal out of this? Maybe. But... It's more out of the general stupidity of Ring Magazine. Sorry. You've had all these great female fighters in the past. Didn't take advantage of them. And you're kind of doing this now. Maybe as a little, you know, consolation prize to UFC Magazine. It's like, hey, good effort. Anyway, and also what's Ronda Rousey going to talk about in the, uh, in the article magazine? You know what? I've, I've kind of thought of a little game for this, for when you read this article. Take a shot every time she mentions Floyd Mayweather. Because what else has she got to talk about in terms of boxing? Nothing. Anyway, that's how I see that. Let's move on to something else. And hey, speaking of drinking games... That's right, beautiful friends. It is time for Kodo versus Canelo 24-7. I have been looking forward to this for a long time, not just because it's a highly anticipated fight, but also because I'm doing something different this time. Normally, I riff on the episode in, you know, MST3K style, but this time I thought, I'm, I'm still going to do that. Don't worry. I, I can already, you know, sense the people listening saying, oh, no, he's not going to do the riffs. I have no reason to live or at least listen to the podcast. I'm still going to do that, but there's going to be a little bonus. We're going to be playing a game this time, and that is a drinking game. I already know that I said I was going to do one with the Ronda Rousey Ring Magazine article, but you know what? We're going to do one here, too, because we're all about having fun on this podcast, and why not have more fun with some drinking? Okay, simple. Just grab a shot glass, grab some alcohol, It, you know, preferably whiskey or something like that. I don't want anybody saying, oh, you know, is it okay if I use some Pinot Noir or white Zinfandel? No, it is not. Jack Daniels, damn you, because that's what I've got in my fridge. Okay, rules are simple. Take one shot anytime someone refers to themselves in the third person. Take two shots if that person is Miguel Cotto. Take two shots if Miguel Cotto starts crying. Take one shot anytime someone mentions either fighter's previous losses. Take two shots anytime the documentary gives you an error in facts. Like if they say that uh, the Miguel Cotto Mayweather uh, Floyd Mayweather fight took place in 2011 when it took place in 2012. They're HBO. They should get their facts right. Okay, so you know, take two shots if you, if they get an error wrong. 
or if, if, if there is an error. Oh my God, am I already drinking? Take one shot every time Oscar De La Hoya gives a line that is full of rhetoric and hyperbole. Take one shot every time Freddie Roach talks down about an opponent in any fashion. And take three shots anytime someone mentions Gennady Golovkin or Triple G. Hmm, triple the shots for Triple G. That's cool. And finally, take one shot anytime someone mentions either Mexico or Puerto Rico. All set? Okay, let's begin. Right now, history's next protagonists are just getting started. Their uncommon gifts just beginning to reveal themselves. Um, is this the HBO 24-7 series or that new X-Men TV series they're making? Because... It sounds kind of the same. Actually, I'll be quite honest. I do enjoy this. Um, I just think sometimes they can run a little bit too long. But it's not bad. There are corners of the world where the sport has most indelibly ingrained itself. Places where the greatest fighters come to occupy exalted towers of legend. And would you care to name one of those places? The latest light of Mexico is a distinctive champion. And take a shot. Ah, thank you. Moving on. An unlikely juxtaposition of uncompromising fury and earnest charm. And as his sport pivots towards a new era of new icons, Canelo Alvarez appears poised to seize his place as the face in the center of it all. If Cotto does beat Canelo, or sorry, if Canelo does beat Cotto, this is certainly going to help his cause as uh, becoming the new face of boxing, because beating somebody like Cotto is not going to be easy, and the fact that he's going to be doing it at such a young age as well. With his next order of business presenting a fitting challenge from a son of another boxing crazed locale. At 35 years of age, the storied career of Puerto Rico's Miguel Cotto has had many memorable chapters. And take another shot, if you please, for Puerto Rico. Thank you. This is such a fun game. They come together as carriers of tradition, cultivated by generations of immortals. But just as critically, they serve as inspiration for those to follow years from now in the boxing havens of Mexico and Puerto Rico. Hey, it's five o'clock somewhere. Okay, and Puerto Rico, he said. Wow. You're all of legal drinking age, right? As the Four City International Press Tour for Cotto Canelo began in Los Angeles late this summer, there was no shortage of Mexican and Puerto Rican pride in the crowd. Now hold on one minute, just because he said Mexican and Puerto Rican, that doesn't count, so don't you dare take a shot. Uh, the rules specifically state, if they have to say either Mexico or Puerto Rico, okay? So, you know, easy on the shots there, Lindsay Lohan. Mexico and Puerto Rico have had great fights, fights that have been in history. To translate Canelo, he said that Mexico and Puerto Rico have a history of big fights, big, uh, sorry, great fights, and he wants this one to be another one of those. And he also said Mexico and Puerto Rico, so... And 
Where? Yeah, here's Puerto Rico. Oh, viva alcohol. México y Puerto Rico ha tenido grandes peleas, peleas que han quedado en la historia, y quiero que sea, que sea una más. And Miguel Cotto can't go 24/7 without saying his name or speaking about himself in the third person. So, and oh, he's gonna show the world what he's made of. Right now, I feel like I'm made out of booze and bad intentions. Each on their own jets, the fighters were beginning a more than 5,000-mile journey. The competitive juices already flowing well in advance of their November 21st showdown. We get to see how each fighter is traveling. Kodo is just, you know, hanging out in his plane, eating off of somebody else's plate. Canelo is playing cards with his trainers and Oscar De La Hoya, and Oscar De La Hoya loses and flips off. I think it's Canelo. And oddly enough, that that's what Oscar De La Hoya does to everybody who says, hey, are you ever going to let Andrew Schweitzer interview you? He just flips him off. It's it's kind of funny. I tell you what, Los Angeles, Mexico City, was all over Canelo. Tomorrow, we're going to own the show. I like that they're uh, splitting this up, giving uh, equal uh, dedication to Cotto and Canelo's fan bases in terms of uh, promotion for the press tour because it would be... Uh, really stupid of them not to take advantage of the huge Puerto Rican fan base in New York. And also, Freddie Roach said Mexico City, not Mexico. So, you know, again, that does not count. Follow the rules, you guys. So the press tour ends, and then we get to the real hard work for the fighters, which is the training, obviously. Canelo Alvarez's training camp sits behind the doors of an unmarked storefront in San Diego's Sorrento Valley neighborhood. The 25-year-old's fight with Cotto is unquestionably his biggest challenge since being defeated by Floyd Mayweather two years ago. Canelo's first and only loss at this point, so... Oh, I should put a patent on this game. Ahora empieza mi, mi segunda parte de mi carrera. El 29 de octubre cumplo 10 años de profesional. Me siento un peleador con mucha experiencia. Y creo que viene lo mejor de, de, de mí. Canelo says that October 29th marks the 10th year of his professional career, and he feels that the best is still yet to come. And he and his trainers are saying that he wants to become the best in the world and fight the best in the world. And I know that I give this guy a hard time. I really do. I'm not going to deny that. But I will give him credit. He does face a lot of challengers that I don't think that he would have. I don't think he should have taken the Floyd Mayweather fight when he did. I I always felt that that came too soon and uh, that he was extremely lucky that Floyd didn't engage with him too physically. But um, for the most part, I think uh, Canelo's had a very good career. If the ambitions of his team are unlimited and unconstrained, Alvarez's bona fides as one of boxing's most exciting attractions are already hardly in question. A supposition confirmed this May in Houston, Texas, when more than 30,000 fans crowded into Minute Maid Park to cheer Alvarez against the dangerous brawler James Kirkland. They'd go home exhilarated by the results. And I know Kirkland was off for a year and a half at that point, but at the same time, 
we were really excited about this fight. We were building it up as a potential fight of the year. And to his credit, Canelo did do what was really expected of him against someone like James Kirkland. I predicted that he would knock him out in four rounds, and he did it in three. So, again, all the credit to him. The knockout left an indelible impression on fans and exalted ringside observers alike. Cuando yo bajé del ring, eh, me encontré con Julio César Chávez. Me dijo que me vio muy bien, que mucho avance, que siguiera así como como lo estoy haciendo. Canelo mentions that after the fight, he ran into Julio Cesar Chavez, who congratulated him, said he had improved so much and to continue down the path that he was going. He probably also mentioned that he wanted Canelo to be his son instead of Julio Jr., but I don't think Canelo remembered that. They also show uh, Canelo training. He's working the body with Eddie Reynoso, and uh, Eddie's got the body shield on to protect his stomach and afterwards he's putting ice packs he's taping them to his stomach because Canelo's body shots hurt so much and he says imagine how much Cotto is going to hurt because he's not going to have that shield in the ring with him and with that let's move to Miguel Cotto's camp at the wildcard gym in Los Angeles I was born in Puerto Rico I am not going to count that because that's the soundtrack sorry just Come on, not gonna count that. If you are, then seek help. It's a little known fact that Miguel Cotto was actually born in Rhode Island. Then this soundtrack is completely useless, isn't it? Two years ago, facing a professional crossroads, Cotto was looking for a new trainer to reinvigorate his storied career. Like so many others before him, he found an answer in Freddie Roach. That was after two back-to-back losses to Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Austin Trout. And no, you may not take a shot for both of them. No, the episode has to mention those previous losses. And I think that his move to hire Freddie Roach is probably the best thing that he could have done. And who knows? He Imagine how good he could have been if he had done it sooner. I mean, he obviously couldn't have done it for the Pacquiao fight. But imagine if he had taken... Uh, Freddie Roach immediately after the Pacquiao loss and said, "Will you train me?" That would have been uh, that would have been very interesting. Freddie and I create a good chemistry. I feel rejuvenated in every aspect of my work. Bonjour. And I'll be honest, uh, beyond this point, or not beyond this point, but from earlier in the episode, Miguel Cotto does not refer to himself in the third person for the rest of the episode. So maybe. Freddie Roach deserves credit for that, too. My liver thinks he does, anyway. The first test of their partnership came in June 2014 against Sergio Martinez, with a middleweight championship, as well as some history at stake. But my liver does not appreciate HBO getting the facts wrong because the first test of their partnership was not the Martinez fight, but actually against Delvin Rodriguez, so... And one more. Oh, okay. This is a good episode. I like it. My main goal was to be the first Puerto Rican to win a title in four different divisions. Martinez badly hurt with a left hook. Cotto going to the body. Down goes Martinez. From the very start, Cotto's objective and practically everything else were clearly in range. 
Cotto's off to a blazing start. Martinez's leg is gone. Three knockdowns in the first round for Miguel Cotto. I remember being absolutely shocked when I was hearing that uh, Sergio Martinez had been knocked down three times in the first round by Miguel Cotto. That was a fight that I had actually uh, picked Martinez to win, and uh, as soon as that round was over, it's like, well, this was a horrible decision. So... Uh, yeah, in fact, I think I named that uh, that first round the uh, round of the year for 2014. Incredible. And then, of course, uh, later this year was the fight with Daniel Giel. There's a left hook to the head. Down goes Giel on a solid left-hand shot. Yeah, he was a former two-time world champion. He's a good fighter, but he wasn't in my guy's class. Granted, he was also... Uh, supposed to come in at a weight of 157 pounds i believe and i believe freddie roach also talked down about an opponent and i did say in any fashion so uh, if you talk down i will down the drink i thank him for saying i'm the, the reason but i think the real reason is that he rededicated himself and he's a better fighter now than he's ever been because he has a coach that he can trust and I have a fighter that I can trust. Cotto's previous trainer, and his name escapes me, and that's not due to any alcohol. That's just because of my own bad memory. But um, his previous trainer, I just never felt was a right fit for him. He was trying to make him almost too defensive-minded. And I also saw some of the training he were do they were doing. They had some weird sort of exercises going on. I just thought that's not really what's going to help Miguel Cotto and I think I agree Freddie Roach is the best thing that's ever happened to him so then we transition back to the Canelo camp and we hear a little bit about Chepo Reynoso and how he used to be a butcher he uh, worked in his father's shop since the age of 13 and about a decade and a half ago he sold the shop and de uh, dedicated himself completely completely to the sport of boxing uh, it, it's a it's an interesting segment. I, I think that it's good that we get to know a little bit more about these people who we see so much, but we, uh, we don't know enough about them. And we find out that he's also a bit of an amateur songwriter because he wrote a song about Canelo. Era apenas un chiquillo, no ajustaba 14 años. Me acuerdo que fue una tarde cuando lo llevó su hermano. Quiero que lo hagan campeón, no solo se hizo campeón, y es una estrella que brilla, es orgullo de su equipo, de México y su familia. Bueno, eso es una parte de la historia del Canelo. The production team doesn't applaud when he finishes, so he kind of has to prod them by saying, oh, I'll applaud myself. I will applaud you, though, uh, Chepo, because you mentioned Mexico in the song, and I get to take another shot. Aha! That's my salute to you. After so much time in the gym together, the relationship has become about far more than just boxing. El estar con Chepo y Eddie he aprendido valores, he aprendido responsabilidad. Yo creo que somos similares, por eso nos la llevamos también. Yo les tengo confianza, ellos me tienen, ellos me tienen confianza. Por eso somos una familia más que un equipo. Es muy difícil encontrar personas como ellos. Yo soy un hombre bendecido de tener personas como, como ellos a mi lado. Canelo talks about how Eddie and Chepo have helped him grow as a person and how they're very similar, which is why they probably get along so well. And 
that he thinks that they're the perfect team for him. And it's almost more like that they're a family than just two people who help him get ready for a big fight. So then we transition back to Los Angeles and we uh, see Miguel Cotto's uh, strength and conditioning coach. And he says something which I think is uh, very peculiar. You don't win your fights because of conditioning. You can lose them because of it. You win your fights because of your boxing ability. I don't disagree that the boxing ability is important, but I don't understand how uh, the conditioning can hurt you. If anything, if you're not conditioned enough, that can hurt you because if you punch yourself out and then the other guy starts to take over, that can hurt you. So maybe your lack of conditioning can hurt you. Uh, I'm sorry. Is it just me? Is this guy not making sense to anyone else or is it literally just me? In which case, I'll stop and never bring up again, but I, it, it can't be just me, can it? But Team Cotto is unbowed by the 10-year age difference in the bout. There's going to be a perception that because we're fighting a younger fighter that they're going to have an advantage in that category. And Obviously, we don't agree with that. Sometimes I find it hard to believe that Miguel Cotto is 35, as well as the fact that Canelo Alvarez is only 25. So, yeah, it's youth against against age, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting matchup, to say the least. I was 25 once in my life, and when I had his age, I believed that I can beat anyone. I can... I was the strongest person in the ring. Now I, I see the fights different. When things get complicated in the fight, I have the experience to do it. I know Canelo's youth will help him to a certain point. But after that point, we will take over. I promise you we will take over. I'm getting the impression that Freddie Roach is not in any way going to underestimate Canelo Alvarez and in fact realizes how much of a dangerous fight this is for his fighter and makes me wonder if he plans to let uh Cotto kind of take the early rounds off and reserve himself so that way as the fight goes into the later rounds Cotto can eventually start to take over it's it's just a theory just a theory I have I mean would be nice if Freddie Roach could confirm it for me but I don't think he will and upstairs in the uh, wildcard gym, because Kodo is training in the uh, private basement suite, sort of, we meet uh, Canelo Alvarez's doppelganger. And for a second, I thought it was Canelo, just like kind of playing some sort of trick. But no, th- this guy, he kind of looks like, he looks like Canelo Alvarez with diabetes. I-, I mean, if Canelo Alvarez ate too many donuts, is th- that's what this guy's body looks like. His name is Larry Trebig. He's 30 years old with a career amateur record of two wins and one loss. And he's fully aware of the uncanny resemblance he bears to a certain superstar from Guadalajara. I hear it all the time. And sometimes I play into it and I speak Spanish and say, hola, como estas? I speak Spanish too. My mom's from Guadalajara, Mexico. She came over this country, she had me. So I was born here in America. That's why they call me Americanello. So Larry, or Americanello, I, I think I'm going to call him that. Americanello meets Kodo, and they kind of joke about, oh, maybe I'll have you spar with him. Ha ha. That's about it. <laughs> uh, you know what? This, this, there, there's not much more after this. There's just a little uh, coda about uh, 
you know, the matchup between Mexico and Puerto Rico, but they don't mention the country, so you can't take a shot. We will continue the drinking game uh, into the next episode, but uh, I actually like this episode of 24-7. It's different because you you feel the significance of uh, both fighters, what this means to each of them. I was a bit disappointed, though, that, you know, Miguel Cotto only referred to himself in the third person once. I'm surprised he did not start crying. Oscar De La Hoya was not, you know, going to ludicrous speed with his rhetoric. So, uh, you know what? Not a bad episode. Not a bad episode at all. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.